1: Moderator for tonight's broadcast. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Ask and ye shall receive. It's high noon For Thursday, April 15th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also find the podcast on Gavin Parler at I'm your moderator. And for the merch, head on over to www.cancelcouture.com. Today is the 85th full day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half dead, demented, degenerate ventriloquist dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history, and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth, Hunter Biden. So congratulations, commies, you gave us all utopia and, of course, a warm, High noon, welcome to any redeemable communists out there who accidentally turned this show on by listening to one of their smart friends for a change. Welcome commies. This will someday be your home, but not until I turn you back into an American. And that won't take that long. All you have to do is get through a few days of mocking and ridicule based on the fact that you have now decided to fully embody one of the dumbest and most corrupt ideas in human history. You deserve it. What can I say? But there's a light at the end of the tunnel. So jump up on the mechanical bull and hold on and enjoy the ride. Everybody likes a good flashback, right? And do we have to pretend that they didn't handle the Black Lives Matter situations any differently? By the way, if James O'Keefe has video of this guy talking about all the lies they told about the George Floyd Black Lives Matter stuff, whoo boy, I really will just stop eating. Now it would be crazy, wouldn't it, for me to... Have a flashback that didn't relate to the story I'm trying to tell. <laughs> that would be insane, and I'm not insane. So let's see what happened. This time we see Chester reconciling the truth that actually exists. I was
2: trying to do some tried to like the Asian. Hate, like the, the, the people are getting attacked or a bunch of that have been attacking Asians. um so I'm like what are you doing like we're trying to like help like with the BLM and like we're gonna like I mean it's individuals so it's not a people you know um but that's not good the optics of that are not good. Um, these little things like that are enough to set back movements you know because the the, uh, the far left will start to latch on and create a story of like um, criminalizing an entire people you know just easy, easier headlines I right? guess White shooter black shooter mm-hmm. which one are we gonna you know like Yeah I the longest while like the story was like people were like La- lapping up that it was like, you know, white guys for like so long. I don't, I haven't seen anything about focusing on the color of people's skin that aren't white. It just, they just aren't saying anything. You know what I mean? They're just not, all of a sudden that story loses a little steam and they just like leave it be. No. Like, you can shape an entire people's perception about anything on, on how you do it, right? Like, just by, like, forcing a story um, um, to help, like, your platform, you know? Like, you can all of a sudden say, like, coal is the future of, like, energy. Well, that could be propaganda because, like, who owns the company might have stake in like whole.
1: I doubt Charlie Chester will be the last employee we hear from at CNN. I'm going hungry. Yeah. I guess I can never eat again. I asked for Charlie Chester to talk about Black Lives Matter. And look at that. He did it. Congratulations to James O'Keefe. And by the way, I'm not sure if you caught that little part at the end where he says, I wonder if Charlie Chester will be the last CNN employee we hear from. Now, James O'Keefe doesn't normally say things like that unless he has other ones. I'm beginning to wonder if he's just going to drop these every single day. And just keep going until CNN gives up. To my knowledge, they still have not addressed this at all. And I was having a chat with uh, one of the people on the, the podcast chat on Telegram. And we were kind of going back and forth thinking about what might happen to this guy. Like whether CNN would fire him. Or he would have to resign. And initially, was I was like, I don't even know if they can. Because if they do, then they're admitting that it's a real story. I'm, I'm thinking right now, they must just be trying to hope that it goes away. And that they never have to pay any attention to it. So that people will just be like, oh, pff, that guy wasn't even a real CNN employee. I mean, they wiped his LinkedIn immediately the other day. But what we have in that clip is this guy. First of all, if you watch the video, it's even more telling because he's just so shifty. Like his eyes are all over the place, looking up, glancing back and forth. He's trying to figure out how to piece this story together so that he doesn't look like the evil, I'm trying not to swear, person that he is but he still (laughs) comes right out with it. He just admitted that the stop Asian hate thing is a complete hoax. And that almost every incident of anti-Asian violence in terms of hate crimes is predominantly carried out by black people. He knows that's true. The data knows it's true. Everyone's eyes no, it's true. There is no white supremacist group out there attacking Asians. The closest thing they got was that guy who shot up the massage parlors, but he was a sexual deviant and hated himself. And it had absolutely nothing to do with race. That was the only one they had. That's why they do things like pretend That Ahmad Al-Issa, a Syrian refugee who shot up the Boulder, Colorado grocery store. He's not actually white. He's just morally white. And so then it's the same thing. Whiteness again is the problem. He also admitted that they would let the story go if it turned out not to be a white shooter. Again, that's not part of the narrative. He says explicitly that they're there trying to help BLM. We are past the point of pretending that large organizations, corporations, media companies, the tech companies, helping BLM is some moral movement, something that just rises up in their company. Oh, we have to do something to help BLM. It's not that. We don't have to pretend that Black Lives Matter cares about black lives. Black Lives Matter is a militant communist organization. They operate hand in hand with Antifa. They are funded by the same people. And they work in consort all the time. That's why Antifa shows up wherever they decide to have a Black Lives Matter event. And at the risk of speaking insensitively, about what's going on with this Dante Wright thing. Now, obviously, caveat I don't want anybody to get shot, okay? I don't like when people get shot. Got it? Doesn't matter what color they are, I don't want people to get shot. We clear? Moving on. It makes no sense, this Dante Wright story. The idea that a police officer who's been on the force for 26 years doesn't know the feel and the weight of her pistol relative to her taser, that stretches beyond the boundaries of belief. Just right there. That's crazy. Okay. Then on the body cam footage. We hear her go taser, taser, taser. Is that normal police procedure? And listen, maybe it is somebody who knows police procedure in that situation can inform me if my assumption is wrong. But she's not fucking Babe Ruth. She doesn't need to call her shot. (laughs) It was almost like she was performing for the camera. Taser, taser, taser. Candyman, candyman, candyman. The whole thing reminded me of that scene in McGruber where <laughs> McGruber is having sex in the cemetery and he's like, I'm going to shoot. I'm going to shoot. If you haven't seen McGruber, right to the top of the priority list. Okay. Trust me, it's one of the funniest movies ever. Make it your weekend plan. But the fact that she's there screaming taser, taser, taser with a pistol in her hand. I mean, was she warning him what was going to happen if he didn't respond? Is that what we're meant to assume about the taser, taser, taser thing? And if she's thinking about what she has in her hand while saying taser, 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 it seems like that's enough time for her to be like, oh, damn it, that's my gun, 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 and put that away. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she felt so threatened that she needed to take her taser out, say taser, 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 and then without waiting for anybody to respond, shoot the taser, which kind of invalidates the warning. It would be like getting in a bar fight and being like, punch, 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 and then just punching. If you're giving a warning to change the other person's behavior, that warning has to be out in the world for longer than like a half a second. And another problem with this is that yesterday we find out or I should say, we are told that George Floyd's girlfriend was Dante Wright's teacher. Again, all of that is possible. I'm not saying you can't believe this just based on how absurd it is, but it is actually worth it to talk about how absurd that is. Okay, Dante Wright is 20 years old, so he's only been out of high school two or three years. But let's even give him the entirety of high school and say that at maximum. George Floyd's girlfriend would have taught him no more than six or seven years ago. And that's on the long end, right? How in the world does a dean of a high school, she was also the dean, apparently, how does that woman end up dating George Floyd, a drug addict with a fairly lengthy criminal history, who has been involved in violent robberies against women? Now, either the story has some facts that we haven't seen yet, or it's completely made up, or we have a real problem with the Minneapolis school system because no one who dates George Floyd should be allowed to teach children. And I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings, but if your reaction to that is, oh, well, that's not, that's not true. You can't say that. You're an idiot. And you don't care about children. Children should actually have good responsible teachers who don't date criminals and drug addicts. And don't hang out with them while they're doing fentanyl. Especially after they almost died from a fentanyl overdose just a few weeks prior. Maybe I'm missing something here. But this all sounds like nonsense to me. Okay. And... I also want to think about this. George Floyd's body camera footage was leaked by the Daily Mail a couple months, I think, after the event. Dante Wright's body cam footage was released the same day. And now Lori Lightfoot up in Chicago is going to release body cam footage of another incident. It seems to me like they are happy to release body cam footage if they think they're able to support their narrative with it. Now, again, these are very stupid people, and they're only trying to get a bunch of rock dumb communists riled up. So maybe this body cam footage is effective for that. But George Floyd's body cam footage wouldn't have helped them at all. Because what George Floyd's body cam footage shows is a clearly messed up, really messed up person resisting arrest and giving the police officers a hard time and throwing drugs in his mouth. That's what the George Floyd body cam footage shows. And if that had come out right after the George Floyd news first came out, it would have been real, real hard for anyone to have sat back and justified all the rioting and the nonsense and the like state funerals and all of that garbage. The body cam footage might not totally get Derek Chauvin off all by itself, but it certainly doesn't support the narrative about race or anything else about George Floyd being a gentle giant. No, he's a drug addict who was resisting arrest and then died from an overdose. It seems to me like there is some pretty selective releasing of body cam footage going on here. And what that should tell you is that these Democrats do not care about these people who have been killed. They do not care about justice. They do not care about black lives or else they would actually make their cities safe. They care about what they're able to exploit to sow racial division because they think that that gives them an edge politically. And that is about as disgusting as anything a political party could do. Again, the Democrat Communist Party is a hate movement, okay? This is deeply, deeply racist, as are the people who support it. And I'm sorry if that offends you, too. It's true. You are supporting a racial hate and division movement when you support the current Democrat Communist Party, period, end of story. And that goes for Everybody in Hollywood doing their influencing about this deeply, deeply racist. I know these people. They don't have any. Black friends in their lives, unless they're like Kid Cudi or some designer. I know these people very well. I've been to their homes. I've attended events with them. I've been in their weddings. Do you think that they have black friends at them? I can tell you that they don't. It's actually shocking thinking about it. I mean, it's not the sort of thing that's on my mind. You know, I don't survey like populations to be like, oh, let's see if they have a proper number of black people here. But looking back and thinking about it, it really is incredible. But yet these are our saviors. These are our moral betters. These are who we need to take our cues from, even if they're getting paid to send us those cues. And of course they are getting paid. And if that's not enough for you to say, okay, well, yeah, maybe they don't actually have any relationships with any black people who aren't in the celebrity culture. Maybe that's just how their life is. And maybe they just don't, Don't cross paths and that's it. That's not, that doesn't mean that they're a hate movement just because they're constantly talking about race and calling everyone else racist. Okay, that's fine. Tell me about what they're doing at the border right now. They are literally importing hundreds of thousands of brown people To come here, work for less than they would have to pay Americans, and then give them political power. In the meantime, they have a president and a party, actually it crosses parties, the fullness of the old guard is compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, but they are also dependent on the Chinese Communist Party because the Chinese Communist Party enslaves the Chinese people to make cheap products for Americans. And our country's policy has been to have no problem with that, aside from Donald Trump, who wants to decouple from the Chinese. The Chinese Communist Party also has 2 million-plus Muslim Uyghurs in concentration camps. Where the women are raped and sterilized, where their heads are shaved so that their hair can be sold to Western women as extensions, the men are brutally tortured, and all of them are in the process of being re educated out of their religion. Does that sound like the sort of country that we should be, as Joe Biden says? doing business with. It doesn't to me. But wait, 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 it gets worse. Because they're not simply allowing people to freely walk over our southern border. The cartels are transporting these people over the southern border. What's happening is human trafficking. And to pretend that these people are coming to the US and making this journey for asylum is insulting because that's a lie. And when people say this, what they're doing is trying to put an acceptable moral sheen on what is actually a crime against humanity. These people are being trafficked for the benefit of the powerful in America. Okay? And we know who these people are. We know which party supports this. Now, we don't call it this because we imagine that we are no longer part of history, right? We, we somehow exist outside history where slave ships don't really exist. That was back then. That was in 1619, right? New York Times. But that was human trafficking. Wasn't it one country would take their own people and traffic them to racists in America who wanted to exploit those people for money and power, and they don't actually care about how the people are treated. And that is actually exactly what's happening right now. But, oh, that can't be true. That can't be true. The Democrats are the party of morality. They're the party of racial progress. And that's why they talk about race all the time. It's not to divide us or to excuse the things that they are actually doing. It's because they really are the good guys. Right? That's what we're meant to believe here. But we know that's not true. And we know that the Democrats are the party of the kkk the democrats are the party of jim crow rand paul was actually just talking about this today that when jim crow laws were passed in kentucky it was all democrats passing them and all republicans were opposing them and all the black people there were republicans but time passes And then we get the Civil Rights Act that, as I said a week or two ago, you can look up the Lyndon B. Johnson quotes about it. He had no illusions about what he was doing. He knew that the collective black voice was gaining political power and he wanted to exploit that. He said that he could get black people to vote for Democrats for the next 200 years. But he wasn't as polite as the way I just described it. So the Democrat Party has continued to exploit the black population in America for their votes. I mean, if all black people after the end of slavery began voting Republican. Well, how do you stop that? Well, I guess the best thing to do, the best way to stop that would be to start stealing their votes in the communities they live in so that you can put your people there and that way you have a representative there to say no you know we didn't we actually didn't steal all your votes i guess you guys just love democrats and you do that for long enough and everyone just says oh wow i mean maybe i'm missing it maybe maybe the democrats really are the good guys maybe the republicans really are racist i mean I must be missing something because 95% of black people keep voting for Democrats. So maybe, maybe that's just how they feel. Maybe I just don't understand the black experience. But that answer is nonsense because to believe that you would actually have to think that black people are too stupid to understand what's happening in their own communities and who hasn't fixed it for 50, 60, 70, a hundred years. Because that's really what it is. None of these places that are most obviously problems in terms of crime, in terms of poor education, in terms of drugs and gang violence. These aren't by and large in Republican states and they're not in Republican cities. These are Democrat cities. These are Democrat cities that have been run by Democrats. For decades and decades. They have Democrat governors in most of these states. They have Democrat senators in most of these states. And of course, again, because they rig elections. They have Democrat congresses in these states as well. So how are the problems not getting fixed? They keep telling us that they want to fix the problems. The Democrat Communist Party, I mean. But they never get fixed. So what exactly is happening here? And the crazy thing is nothing I have just said should be remotely controversial. That just really is what's happening in the real world. The only reason we don't all see that as obvious is because they have every single lever of cultural power and they use it to very specific ends. In fact, I'm not sure there's a more specific end that they use that power for than convincing the country that somehow they aren't racist and everyone else is and that the Democrat Communist Party is a friend to black people, even though they have done nothing in any of the places that they govern, to make black people's lives better. And then we have what's happening at the border, which is human trafficking. And it is no different than sending people on slave ships, except there's not an ocean on our border. Bringing people here, lying about why they're coming here, failing to test them for a very, very deadly pandemic, And then packing them, the children, into these tight spaces, these tight enclosed spaces where they get some food, they get blankets that look like aluminum foil, and then they get laid down right next to each other so that they're all in nice little rows, packing these places to 10 times their capacity, 20 times their capacity. And then they're sent out into the country so that more people can come in. Their work is exploited and not properly paid for. Their votes are taken. So they have no political power. And they are set up in communities infested with drugs and crime. Again, this is a travesty. This is a crime against humanity. If it's not slavery, it's the closest possible thing to slavery. And let's not forget what party we are talking about here. It is not an accident that the Democrat party was the party of the KKK and the party of Jim Crow. This is what collectivism is about. When you start excusing entire classes of people from responsibility in life and you start blaming other classes of people for all of their problems just based on certain metrics that you find and that you chose to talk about. There's no discussion, by the way, of what actually might account for wage differences or educational differences or family differences, then what you're doing is saying, well, this race is this way and this race is this way. And I guess that we just have to punish the right people to make this all even out. And then we're not racist anymore. This isn't normal politics. This isn't an argument based on facts or data. It's a hate movement. It's a hate movement. This is what communism does. This is exactly the process by which communism has killed tens of millions of people every single place it's been tried. Okay. There's a reason that Venezuela went from being one of the most oil rich nations in the world to a place where people are eating their pets. And that reason is communism. And how did Venezuela come to communism? Well, they started rigging elections. Isn't it crazy how that works? Why in the world do we have to pretend that the people who have been responsible for the greatest atrocities in the last, what, 400 years have somehow just flipped parties and flipped political ideologies as if it's just any ideology can be racist. No, the racist ideology is the one that separates people by race. There is no amount of redefining racism we can do that changes that. Now let's switch gears without a segue because I did not mean to go on that rant, but It was time someone said it. Now, unfortunately, I am only switching subjects to another person who is Nazi level evil. And I'm talking, of course, about uh, Dr. Joseph Mengele. I mean, Anthony Fauci.
0: Well, in your written statement, you say now is not the time to pull back on masking, physical distancing and avoiding congregate settings. When is the time? When do Americans get their freedom back? Can you put your microphone on, please?
3: Sorry. When we get the level of infection
0: in this country low enough that it is not a really high... What threat. is low enough? Give me a number. What, I mean, uh, we, we, we had 15 days to slow the spread turned into one year of lost liberty. What metrics, what measures, what has to happen before yeah. Americans get my, their freedoms?
3: My message, uh, Congressman Jordan, is to get as many people vaccinated as quickly as we possibly can, to get the level of infection in this country low that it is no longer a threat,
0: that is when, and I believe when that happens, you will see. What determines when? I'm sorry. What? What measure? What, I mean, are, are we just going to continue this forever? Or when does? When does? No. When do we get to the point? What measure? What standard? What objective uh, outcome do we have to reach before before Americans get their liberty and freedoms back?
3: You know, I, you're indicating liberty and freedom. I look at it as a public health measure to prevent people from dying and going to the hospital. You don't think Americans'
0: liberties have been threatened the last year, Doctor Fauci? They've been assaulted. Their liberties have.
3: I don't look at this as a liberty thing, Congressman Jordan. Well, that's I look obvious at this as a public health thing. But the, 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 I disagree with you the, on that. You think that the Constitution
0: completely? is suspended during a during a, a, a virus during a pandemic? It's certainly not. This will end for sure when we get the level of
3: infection very low. It is now at such a high level, there's a threat
0: again of major surge. Dr. Fauci, Dr. Fauci, over the last year, Americans' First Amendment rights have been completely attacked. Your right to go to church, your right to assemble, your right to petition your government, freedom of the press, freedom of speech have all been assaulted I mean, for a year now. Americans haven't been able to go to church even today when they go to church. They're limited in the size of of, of worshipers who can meet your right to assemble. Oh, my goodness.
1: Now, I got to say, I love Jim Jordan. He's awesome. But I also would have loved him to actually just keep hammering the number part. Asking Anthony Fauci, what is the metric? You say that the level is too high right now, even though cases and deaths are dropping everywhere, 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 except in Michigan, where they're just making up a new problem. It's very scary. Now, deaths won't spike there, but they're going to talk about it right now so that they can try to lock down again. And in two to three weeks, when nothing has happened, they'll just pretend that the talk of lockdown convince people to take extra precautions. But Anthony Fauci is a pathological liar, okay? The disease will end, the restrictions will end when we get transmission down to a level low enough. Okay, well, what's the level? What's the level? It's a simple question, what's the level? I mean, you're saying that we're not at the level, so you must have a target in mind, right? Because what he's doing, what Fauci is doing is saying the same things he said for the last year. It would be crazy to reduce the restrictions right now, not with this level going on. Really? Well, this level is way lower than we are told it was a year ago. That's when we were really scared. Are we still supposed to be this scared? And You know, there's no data anywhere in the world that says masks or lockdowns work. So really, we've gotten here just by waiting. So why is it still as dangerous right now as it was back then, even though so many more people have gotten it, supposedly, and they would develop antibodies, they would be immune and so many people have been vaccinated, right? So why is right now the problem and why is Anthony Fauci Wearing a mask while he talks. I know you can't see that on audio, but he's wearing this cute little mask with like beakers and Bunsen burners because he's a scientist. You get it? All the little child brain commies at home being like, oh my God, Anthony Fauci's mask is so cute. And they'll post that online. They'll think like, oh, this will get a bunch of likes. Oh, my God, isn't Anthony Fauci so cute? He's like a little teddy bear. I just want to hug him. I just want his face on a pillow. They actually have that thought. And this is what they think of as an expert, someone that they can consider cute and knowledgeable. Everybody says he's knowledgeable, so I believe it. And he has that Bunsen burner mask on, so he must be a scientist. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's his doctorate degree right there. He had his doctorate degree reformed into a mask just so everybody can know. I'm a doctor. They're literally more concerned about what kind of mask Fauci is wearing than the things he says. Because the things he says are all lies. And anyone with a fully functioning adult brain can see that. There is no danger from COVID out there. If we didn't have the media telling us every day that there was, no one would believe it. No one would believe it. No one would even think, oh, my God, there's something out there to worry about. It's insane. And we know that they're lying because Charlie Chester told us in exact terms. I really genuinely do hope that Americans are seeing these clips and that they're Thinking to themselves, wow, this guy is really one of the most dishonest people I've ever seen. It's almost impossible to not think that unless you are very happy repeating the slogans. And by the way, there are a lot of people who are very, very happy repeating the slogans and will continue to. They love it. But what more do you need? This guy Cannot answer the question, at what point do you feel comfortable easing restrictions? Well, it's when we get the level of transmission low enough. Cool. So what's low enough? Are you just going to tell us? So we just have to wait for you to tell us. That's really what he's saying. He'll decide he's not going to give us the metric so that we can look at the data ourselves and see, oh, well, we're there. So can we party or it's just whenever Fauci says, like, why can't he just say, well, the R not is too high right now. We would like it to be under 0.85, right? Just making numbers up here. The R-naught, by the way, is how many people you are likely to infect if you get it. So if the R-naught is above one, that means that every person who gets it is likely to infect one person and a tiny fraction of someone else, I guess. You know what I mean? You know how averages work. But there should be a standard there for that, right? There should be a standard for the case count or the spread or where the curves are going. Except all of those things are pointing down and they have been pointing down for a very, very long time. Months and months and months and months and months. And we have this jackass sitting in a congressional hearing wearing a mask. He has been vaccinated, hasn't he? Or is he still waiting his turn? I genuinely don't know because I don't care. That's like an irrelevant piece of information to me. But I do know that he has said before that he will wait his turn. But he's not answering any of the questions at all. If he is just a doctor, if he is a legitimate scientist, shouldn't he be happy to relay the data as it is to the people who make decisions Imagine you went to your own doctor and you had questions about something that was off with you or you had questions about a medication. How would you feel if that doctor was all cagey about it? Like just straight up not giving you an answer. For instance, if you said, Do I really need to be on that medication? And rather than saying yes or no and explaining why, the doctor said, you know, the results, the data indicate that this medicine is highly effective against blah, blah, blah. Well, that's not an answer. That doesn't actually help you at all. You understand that the medicine may well be effective, but you don't even know if that's your problem or if that medication has side effects that might hurt you. And of course, Anthony Fauci is not worried about side effects. He said that from the beginning. He's just there to give the science and the data. He's not there to suggest the remedies, even though that's exactly what he's doing. He's doing the very opposite of what he says he's supposed to be doing. He says he's supposed to be delivering science and data and not telling people what to do. That's someone else's job. But what you just heard in that clip right there was Anthony Fauci telling the country what it must do without supplying the science and the data. That is not science. That is not medicine. And again, if that's a doctor, then we have a real problem in the field of medicine. And by the way, we do have a real problem in the field of medicine because the field of medicine includes pretty much only people who have been educated in communist universities at this point, which is why there are so many doctors out there who will just scream out wrong information all day long with no mind paid to the consequences of what they're saying. And I wish Jim Jordan had actually focused less on the liberty part and caught Fauci when he said, you know, I'm not I'm not really I don't this isn't a question of liberty. I'm thinking about about people dying. Oh, really? Okay. so. How many people have died as a direct result of lockdowns? As a direct result of drug abuse or alcohol abuse or domestic violence or mental illness and suicide? How many people have lost their jobs and now can't feed their families? Are you protecting life that way? You're not. You're not protecting any lives. Anthony Fauci has not been responsible for saving anyone's life. Anthony Fauci has not alleviated the problems of the coronavirus at all. Not one little bit. Okay. His main missions We're getting us to lock down and getting us to wear masks. Both of those things don't work at all. There's no data anywhere in the world showing they do. So Anthony Fauci has not saved anyone's life. But another question that I think we all should ask when we're having discussions with doctors or very smart communists, and I would love to see Jim Jordan ask Fauci this at some point, but I want to know. According to the data, how many lives have we saved with the vaccine? Right? I mean, the vaccine's out there now. It's been out for a few months. Of course, the deaths were already declining to zero before the vaccine. But you would think as public health experts and people who actually care about whether or not Their treatment strategies work. They would know how many lives the vaccine has saved at this point. There must be some alteration to the curve. Are we saying that the data is insufficient? What's the answer? And of course, there is no answer because the vaccines haven't saved anyone's life. And we know that because. Cases and deaths were already rapidly declining by that point. And Fauci is still saying that the vaccines might not prevent community spread. They might not even prevent you from getting sick. They might not prevent you from spreading the disease or getting the disease. So what do the vaccines do? How many lives have the vaccines saved? We keep seeing the numbers on television. And now thanks to Charlie Chester, we know what the numbers on television are for. They're to drive a narrative. They have injection counters on MSNBC. And the other crazy thing is, how long are they going to keep this vaccine push going? I mean, right now in America. They estimate nearly one hundred and ninety five million doses. Okay, and I think that we have like something like seven million of the Johnson and Johnson one, which means that. So what do we have like 187 million doses besides that? And then half of that would be 93 and a half million, right? And then you can put the seven back on. We've got about a hundred million people fully vaccinated at this point, a hundred million. How long are we going to keep watching this clock go up this COVID counter, right? Didn't we need initially 60% herd immunity and back then herd immunity, of course, was also just the product of allowing the disease to work its way through the herd (laughs) i mean that really is how herd immunity works and always has that's why it's a concept but what do they do when this number reaches 500 million so that even at even with the two-dose thing we've still got the entire country vaccinated how do they keep pushing it then oh this is how Now it's possible you might need a third dose. You might need a booster shot to protect you against these variants. And right there, you realize why Anthony Fauci will not answer that question. He will not tell you when the data will allow us to reopen and go back to normal life. Because Anthony Fauci is not interested in going back to normal life. Anthony Fauci is interested in selling vaccines particularly by the ones from companies he has a personal stake in. Anthony Fauci is interested in avoiding the subject of the Wuhan Institute of Virology where he was the one leading the gain-of-function experiments that caused this problem in the first place. That's who we're dealing with. Changing gears. There is a poll that came out I think in the afternoon yesterday from Rasmussen and they have found that 51% of Americans of voters said that it is likely that cheating affected the outcome of the election. That is 51%. Now, Patrick Byrne has also been talking about a poll for a few days that he read And he went into the specifics of the poll and found that they had oversampled Democrats by a large margin. But that poll had also found about 50 percent. And when you normalized for the difference in party affiliation based on who they polled. He thought that that number was closer to 64 percent, which is basically two thirds of the country. But let's take the bottom number. Let's take the Rasmussen number. Fifty one percent. Fifty one percent of the country. That's 74% of Republicans, 30% of Democrats, and over 50% of independents all believe that cheating affected the outcome of the 2020 election, okay? Now, I think the number is actually going to be much higher very soon. I think it will be most of the country that sees this, obviously, because I think that the evidence is overwhelming, and anyone who is exposed to the evidence We'll agree with it. That's why they've hid the evidence for so long and tried to convince these child-brained communists that the evidence itself is dangerous. But this is with the media narrative in place, with the censorship in place. Still, over half the country understands that fraud decided the election. 30% of Democrats understand that that narrative isn't going to shift in a different direction. People aren't going to suddenly be like, oh, yeah, I guess the election was legitimate. Unless, of course, these audits all over the country, these forensic audits actually find that. And then I'll be like, wow, guys, I don't know what to say. I guess I've just been wrong for six months. I think the chances of that happening are even lower than the microscopic chances of me dying from coronavirus. But also from the poll, 47 percent said it is likely Democrats stole or destroyed ballots for former President Trump. Forty seven percent believe that Democrats stole or destroyed ballots. Got it. It's not two directions here that Trump was cheating. Seventy five percent of Republicans and 30 percent of Democrats believe that 50 percent said that it is unlikely ballots were destroyed. So we're right on the edge there. Half the country thinks that no ballots were destroyed. And that's fine because there are plenty of other ways that fraud was accomplished and ballots being physically destroyed is actually the least important way. And then we get this pathetic analysis from the rhino Washington Examiner. It is the latest survey to show that much of the nation is stuck in neutral when it comes to moving past the 2020 election, especially Republicans. Trump has done little to help them move forward. As recently as last weekend, claiming anew that Democrats and President Joe Biden robbed his election. (laughs) Yeah, Washington Examiner, you dumb commies. That's because It's exactly what happened. That's why he keeps saying it. I don't understand how these media organizations are not approaching this situation with objectivity. It it should be in their face and ever present in their minds right now that they might have to completely reverse themselves. I just talked about what would happen if I had to completely reverse myself. I would be fucking stunned and I would have to do some real soul searching for a while. But I would at least I, I at least understand that a legitimate forensic audit of this election, there's a chance that I could have just been wrong this whole time. These guys don't realize that they're still betting that they're going to be able to cover all this up. Any reporter who has put any amount of time into this knows what happened. Things that are mathematically impossible don't happen. Okay. If there's a one in 24 quadrillion chance that Joe Biden won that election the way the accepted votes say he did, it didn't happen, period. Okay. And people don't understand that probability because they're like, are you saying there's a one in a quadrillion chance that Joe Biden won? No. Saying there's a one in a quadrillion chance based on actual probabilities and looking at the mathematical anomalies of how that vote came in that joe biden won the way you're telling us and it's not me saying that it's people who do this stuff for a living the media's story about the election is mathematically impossible okay it is a lie it will be proven And starting next week, as that Maricopa audit begins, this stuff is going to start to cascade. And I would actually look for the media to begin drumming up the narrative that auditing the election is racist because they are going to try to overturn the votes of black voters. They're going to stoop that low and try to start a riot, I'm sure. Outside of the audit. And the crazy thing is that there are still enough communists who will go with that story. Now, I want just to point this out today and you all can go check it out on your own. But they have now announced that. The Intel does not support their earlier assessment. That there were paid bounties by the Russians against American soldiers And that Donald Trump was somehow aware of this. So that whole Russian bounty story from last fall. Yeah, that's just not true. That's over. We don't have to talk about that anymore. Oh, yeah, I guess we got that one wrong. Ah, The intel doesn't support it anymore. Oh, it definitely did at that time, of course, or else we wouldn't have said it. But now this doesn't seem to support it. And everybody just moves on. No big deal. They only use that to slander Donald Trump and say that he doesn't care about the military. They used unnamed sources. The media carried that on for weeks, even after it had been fully debunked. They kept going with it. And Joe Biden kept saying, it, which is even worse. All of this is such a disgrace, man. The one redeeming thing about all of this is that it's now so easy to spot this evil that we would have just ignored before. And in some sense, I think that that's what an awakening has to be about. So thank goodness it's happening. Now, I want to follow up on the Ashley Babbitt stuff. Uh, this is an article published yesterday by a guy who goes as Technofog. Now, I know that you want a real name, Kami, and you want the person to work for a real news source, like CNN. The problem is, This guy's smarter than everyone at CNN, and I don't give a shit if he calls himself techno fog. The DOJ is lying about the Ashley Babbitt case. The force was excessive, so the DOJ punts on willfulness. Today, the U.S. Attorney's Office for the District of Columbia issued a press release explaining their decision not to prosecute the officer who shot and killed unarmed protester and veteran Ashley Babbitt on January 6th, 2021. It states that DOJ officials, along with the Metropolitan Police Department's Internal Affairs Division, quote, conducted a thorough investigation of Miss Babbitt's shooting, end quote. This included reviewing video footage, getting statements from officers and other witnesses, collecting physical evidence and the results of Miss Babbitt's autopsy. They explain as a member of the mob continued to strike the glass doors. Miss Babbitt attempted to climb through one of the doors where the glass was broken out. An officer inside the speaker's lobby fired one round from his service pistol, striking Miss Babbitt in the left shoulder, causing her to fall back from the doorway and onto the floor. Do you remember that? Remember how I talked about yesterday? She got shot in the shoulder. There we go. So it wasn't the neck. You'll notice there's no mention of a verbal warning to Miss Babbitt or other efforts to subdue her without the use of deadly force. Correct. Continuing on. The DOJ maintains that the, quote, focus of the criminal investigation was to determine whether federal prosecutors could prove that the officer violated any federal laws, concentrating on the possible application of 18 U.S. Code Section 242, a federal criminal civil rights statute. The press release focused on the term willfully. And the section of the U.S. Code is highlighted here, Uh, prosecutors would have to prove not only that the officer used force that was constitutionally unreasonable, but that the officer did so willfully, which the Supreme Court has interpreted to mean that the officer acted with a bad purpose to disregard the law. The DOJ concluded the investigation revealed no evidence to establish beyond a reasonable doubt that the officer willfully committed a violation of 18 U.S. Code Section 242, specifically the investigation revealed no evidence to establish that at the time the officer fired a single shot at Miss Babbitt, the officer did not reasonably believe that it was necessary to do so in self-defense or in defense of the members of Congress and others evacuating the House chamber. Got it. So really, he had no choice. Back to techno Fog. This conclusion should be no surprise, not because of the law or the facts, but because of the people in charge of the Department of Justice. The U.S. Capitol Police, like the Park Police, have always had a special relationship with the DOJ, one that includes preferential treatment. This case is no different. For starters, the three basic elements to a prosecution under 18 U.S. Code Section 242 are that the defendant, acting under the color of law, willfully deprived a victim of a federally protected right. Excessive force is easy to establish. The Supreme Court has held that government must introduce evidence that the action of the officer in shooting to kill Babbitt was, quote, excessive in relation, end quote, to a legitimate government objective. And he cites Kingsley versus Henderson in 2015. This is an objective standard. The force must be objectively unreasonable when viewed from the standpoint of a reasonable officer at the scene. Here, Babbitt was unarmed, was climbing through a window and not attacking anyone. In response, she is shot and killed, easily excessive. This brings us to willfulness. We have serious doubts about the DOJ position that there was no evidence to establish beyond a reasonable doubt that the officer willfully violated Section 242. As an initial matter, the DOJ press release neglects to mention whether the officer used excessive force, instead going right to an analysis on willfulness. We believe this reveals their intent to soften the blow of the press release. As to willfulness, 18 U.S. code applies, quote, when the defendant understands that he is unjustifiably invading a legally protected interest or acts in reckless disregard of the law, end quote. However, the defendant need not have been, quote, thinking in constitutional terms, end quote, as long as his, quote, aim was not to enforce local law, but to deprive a citizen of a right. And that right was protected by the Constitution, end quote. Here, the DOJ exaggerates and at worst lies about its willfulness burden. We doubt the DOJ couldn't prove willfulness in this case. In fact, the DOJ has brought Section 242 prosecutions with less egregious facts. As the DOJ has argued in other cases, the officer's prior training on the use of force could be viewed as evidence that his conduct was willful. Are we to think that this officer didn't have training on when force became excessive? In another case, the DOJ argued to the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals that to establish willfulness, the jury was required to find that the defendant, quote, intended to use more force than was reasonable under the circumstances, i.e., force that violated the victim's well-established due rights as a pretrial detainee, end quote. What makes the Babbitt case different? The victim and the location. This case should have gone to jury. If this killing took place in Minnesota or Chicago, the results would have been different. And Technofog is exactly right. And there should also be some discussion at some point why three people dressed as armed police officers were right behind Ashley Babbitt and casually walking away down the stairs when Ashley Babbitt was shot. And then you might ask, why wasn't Officer Bailey, William Bailey, I'm pretty sure is his name, but the media won't say it, why wasn't he in contact with those officers? Why couldn't those officers push themselves through the crowd and pull Ashley Babbitt off that door and arrest her? Why couldn't that happen? Are they just not in communication? Did officer Bailey, who was hiding behind the doorframe, not realize that he had support 10 feet away that could have easily restrained this woman? What kind of Keystone Cops nonsense is this? This is another absolute disgrace by the Department of Justice. And the fact that this stuff has been so exploited, this January 6th nonsense has been so exploited for political gain and to harm American citizens makes it even worse. But we just got to hope that this is one of many things that will be cleared up in the near future. Before I go, if you're listening to this today, Thursday, April 15th, before midnight, Go to frankspeech.com and put your phone number in so that you get early access to this new Mike Lindell social media site. It's supposed to be like YouTube and Twitter. And I have a lot of opinions and speculations about how this thing came to be. Lindell said that this has actually been under development for four years now. He said this on War Room this morning, but that he only got in a few weeks or a month or so ago. So, there's clearly been something going on behind the scenes that he just alluded to today. And I think we're going to have answers on a lot of that very soon. But it's important today to go to frankspeech.com and get access to the app over this weekend. Okay. If you don't sign up for it by midnight tonight, Thursday, April 15th, then you'll have to wait until Monday morning to access it. And He has indicated that there's going to be some interesting stuff going on on there this weekend, and then it launches with some craziness on Monday, and I'm here for it. I mean, maybe he's overstating it. Maybe it's all going to turn out to be a big nothing, but I don't feel like it is, and uh, either way, I'm going to be watching. I'll be back tomorrow at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work, and Joe Biden It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parler at i Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a substack, i'm your moderator.substack.com, where you can donate, or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. At least.